Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. It's the weekly here on the Blue Room. Hope everybody's doing okay. I've uh, got three wonderful guests joining me today, live on YouTube or listening by the podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, first and foremost, back on the podcast after a long time, it's Peter McFarlane. Peter, how are you doing, mate? I'm absolutely fantastic. Thanks, Matt. Okay, so you've got your, is that the spirits of the Blues vinyl on the wall behind you there? Well spotted it is, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to play it, but then I thought, no, you know, copyright and all that, so it's, it's up on the wall. <laughs> oh, yeah, YouTube with that hot on that sort of thing. We'd be getting taken off air in seconds if that started playing, <laughs> playing again. Uh, Lyndon Lloyd from Toffee Web also joins us as well. How are you doing today, mate? Doing very well, mate, as, as we all are. Yeah, wonderful time at the moment. And Adam Jones, who kindly stepped in as a, a late sub today, uh, said Alpen's been... Wished away to cover the, the girls tonight as well, but uh, I from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, fresh from what I've seen on Twitter, mate, it was a 15-hour shift on deadline day, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a long old slog, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I've recovered on my sleep now, so happy to be called upon by the boss as a late sub. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We'll be speaking a little bit about deadline day uh, later on and the dealings Everton have done, whether we're happy with them or not. And, and how the squad sort of shapes up for the rest of the campaign, you know, what Everton's ambitions should be. But one player, I think, who I wasn't really intending on speaking about today, lads, but caught the attention earlier on today, actually played a match, uh, was, was Tom Davis, England the 21s, captaining them in a mad game against Andorra, scoring a really good goal as well. And I'll come, I'll come to you on this one first, Pete, before the other lads. And I think we've spoken pretty much on this show certainly about how well every player in that side played on Saturday and Thomas' performance while sort of been mentioned is you know he did okay and we moved on to speak about Mina or Hamez or Dom or somebody else who was you know a 9 out of 10 in that game um, maybe hasn't got the credit he deserved and 
you know, and I think he played in probably a bit of an unfamiliar position at the weekend in front of that back four. Um, he had a, a tough job to do to replace Allen in that, that role, but he did it pretty well in the main, didn't he, mate? I think so, yeah. And he, he switched sort of to right back at one point as well, didn't he? Yeah. Because, yeah, so, so he, I think, I think he's, 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 he obviously knows now that he's under a lot of pressure with the signings that we've made. Um, I think, you know, when you look at how many appearances he's made for Everton, he's made over 100 appearances now. And I think, to be honest, we, we're not really sure where his best position is. As, as a fan, you know, going to watch him week in, week out, um, I still struggle to, to really define what type of midfielder he is. Um, hopefully now with the new signings that we've made, it can take the pressure off him a little bit. Um, in terms of some of his defensive work, and he can and he can show us what he can do. Um, certainly, when you've got better players around you, it can bring out the best in in yourself. So, I'm hoping that Tom Davis can really step up now. But certainly, um, you know, at the weekend, I thought he was he was fantastic, and and he and he did a really good job when he moved when he moved out of position towards the you know the right back role. So, mm. fair play to him. What did you make of his performance, Lyndon? Yeah, I I echo everything that was just said. Um, yeah, he's 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 a, he's an interesting one. Um, sitting in front of the the back four, it's if if he's not taking the full responsibility, which I think he was last season. If you got Gilfie Sigerson, who wasn't showing any desire to do much of anything last season, the onus was on was on Tom to do all the work, and you know he was doing his sort of headless chicken role. Uh, but I thought he did really really well um, against Brighton, and I'm hoping now that. With that, and obviously this evening having scored that that great goal, and um, now having the room, as Pete said, to kind of just work his way back into form and not have all this pressure on him, I think that this season is going to be an important one for him. Um, I kind of take the view that <clears throat> his career might be a bit of a slow burner at this point, which I think is fine. Not not everyone's going to you know come straight out the traps when they're nineteen and and just take off and be a superstar. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that um, that Carlo's stressed that he wants him around, um, that he's not sort of been cast off onto the scrap heap down into the championship, whatever. And we can just use the next couple of years maybe to sort of just, yeah, find out what his best role is and see if he can really establish himself in the side as not necessarily a first choice starter week in, week out, but someone who can really be depended on to come in and do a job. And I suppose that, that's absolutely fine, isn't it, for, for Tom Davis to be there? He doesn't necessarily have to be that player who we're going to be depending on in the first yeah. 11 every single week and necessarily a linchpin of that midfield. It's, it's going to be a long season. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be players that probably test positive for COVID as well, and that's going to be something that, that Everton are going to have to deal with. So I think, I think for Tom, and even probably applies for the likes of Iwobi and certainly for, for Ben Godfrey as well in other positions, maybe even... John Joe Kenny and and Niels and Kunku. I think these lads have, have got to be ready and got to be ready to take the chance because they're probably going to get a fair few games this season, even though we all sort of know what the first eleven is. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you know Tom is probably a representation of something that's happened wider in this transfer window. Obviously, we've seen the first eleven improve massively with the likes of Alan Decore and James Rodriguez just walk instantly into the starting eleven. But I think in terms of the whole squad as well. I think that's improved, and we're seeing that in you know the cup games, especially where we've seen you know a bit, a bit of chopping and changing from Ancelotti. We've seen all the new players coming in, you know, the likes of Sigurdsson, Bernard, Iwobi, Nkunku, Davis. They've all stepped up and they've all performed really well. And you know, it, it kind of shows that the new transfers have managed to elevate the levels of those around them as well. And I think in terms of Tom, I think it's 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 almost very simplistic. You know, last season we were playing a four four two which places a whole lot of emphasis on the two 
uh, central midfielders in particular. They've got to do a lot of stuff. They've got to do all the defensive-minded uh, work in terms of shield and the back four. They've got to pick the ball up off the back four. They've got to then create chances for those going forward as well. They've got to be tidy in possession. All all of this, like it, it places a whole lot of responsibility on somebody. You know, he's still a young lad. It's a lot of responsibility to be placing on his shoulders uh, for the latter part of last season. So I think maybe he's just benefited from having an extra body in midfield. You know, I think maybe the system has given uh, those midfield players a, a bit more defined roles. Like we know what Alan's going to be doing, for example, uh, when he's in the team or Delph or Davis, uh, for example, when they've stepped into that role. We will, we know what the Decore role is. We know what the Gomez role is, etc. So I think maybe the new system just helped out Tom Davis much more. And then as, as the lads have said as well, when he moved over to right back, I thought he was really, really good. There was one particular challenge late in the game uh, inside the box, which was just a really, really important tackle uh, at a crucial stage of the game. So it's great to see him performing like that, to be honest. And as Lyndon rightly said, it's good to see uh, Carlo Ancelotti giving him that sort of that sort of vote of confidence almost before the start of the season, thinking, look, you are you are here, you are in my plans. And, you know, it, it, it's good for a young lad to have that before the season. So, fingers crossed he can continue on, on, uh, on this path. Yeah, because I suppose going into that game, a lot of us probably expected Fabian Dell to get the nod, didn't we? Because he played really well in that cup game in midweek. I don't know if there's any concerns there with fitness and, and him coming back. But I'll, I'll come back to you on this one, Adam, because I think it's something we, we've spoken about on, on pods in the in the past. And then, you know, Pete and Linda feel free to, to jump on the back of it. It's that, that position in front of the back four is one that I've sort of looked at and I've seen he's played there a lot for England in the 21s. He played there tonight, I think. In the past, Marcus Silva said he, he thinks he could have played there as well. I don't think Angelotti's necessarily spoken about it that much. Probably because primarily up until this season, that position didn't exist in, in Carlo's system. But I, I sort of look at that position and think, I'm not entirely sure he's got the attributes to play there. But clearly, at England youth level, they're quite happy with him doing it. Angelotti played him there at the weekend. And obviously, these these people know a lot more about footy than, than, than any of us, <laughs> absolutely. But I, I don't know, maybe... Maybe that's that's a role that he could sort of start to craft out and start to learn a little bit more. It's interesting, isn't it? Especially with the likes of you know John Philippe Gabamon still injured. You know we we will need somebody to take over those that position. Maybe when Allen's not there or Delph's not there, like it, it's good to have options in that position. I think it's interesting in terms of Tom because you know in his first performance this season he, against Salford uh, at Goodison, he played a bit further forward in what was you know more of like a, a Gomez or a Decore sort of role. And I thought he played really well in that game, to be honest. You know, level of the opposition uh, kept in mind. But I thought he was, you know, he was creative on the edge of the box. He had a few chances to score himself. And I think that maybe nods to the versatility that he can bring in midfield. And it's a it's a really good string that he can add to his bow if he can line up in those defensive midfield uh, positions. Because, yeah, it, it's maybe something that we haven't really seen a lot of at Everton in the past. But I think... He more than showed that he was capable of doing it against Brighton. You know, Brighton are no, Brighton are no Salford. They they're they're really good opposition, good Premier League opposition. Yeah, they've been playing really well, I think, so far this season, and they're unlucky to have the points total that they've got. So for Tom Davis to step in against a side like them and put in that kind of performance, I think it is really impressive. And you know, fingers crossed, it does nod to the fact that he can play defensive midfield uh, in in the future. He just needs a bit of consistency now. You know, that's going to be the thing now, is just to find some consistency and show that, he, again, he can do it on a, on a week in, week out when he's called upon. Um, 
because he's had these games where everything just seems to go wrong and he's putting the ball out of play and you know giving it away and, and that kind of thing. So I think that's his that's his next step. And as I said, this new environment with the new players, hopefully he'll have that chance to do that now because there's not as much pressure on his shoulders. Yeah. Um, if you watch on YouTube, got any thoughts on Tom Davis? Uh, do let us know in in the comments uh, where you see his best position, what sort of role would you, do you see him playing this season as well. Uh, do let us know on that one. Uh, but we'll, we'll go back to, to deadline day, as, as Adam was speaking about there. A bit of a, a shift for, for everyone. I think I was saying on one of the shows earlier this week, I felt really sorry for, for the reporter on Sky News, who was cover, uh, Sky Sports News, who was covering the Theo Walcott deal. Bless her, she was she was on it, I think, from 8am in the morning until about 11 o'clock at night, locked in a box room, <laughs> locked in a box room at home. It looked like she'd aged about two, two years by the end of, at the end of the day. But uh, he's like the, the deals... The, you know, what one deal that was expected in, in Ben Godfrey seems like a you know a good lad and a, and a good player. I think everyone's really happy to see us get that one over the line. The goalkeeper ones are a little bit more interesting, isn't it, mate? And a while, not necessarily somebody who's going to come in and, and take over from Jordan Pickford immediately. Uh, just probably probably someone a bit more reassuring in terms of someone the manager's probably got a bit more faith in than, than Jonas Lussel or, or Jao Virginia. Absolutely. I, th- I think... One thing it shows is that I think Ancelotti is, is going to give give Pickford as, as many chances as he as he you know possibly can. Um, it, that signing doesn't doesn't say to me that he's looking to replace Pickford just yet. I think it's it, like you say it's just more to put a bit bit more pressure on him and to bring an experienced head in if it comes to the point where we have to take him out of the side. Um, I think Ancelotti will stick with Pickford for now, and I think we'll probably reassess it either in January or at the end of the season. Uh, obviously, that was a, a reason why we were looking at short-term deals rather than rather than going out and spending money on on a goalkeeper. We wanted to get someone in on loan. Um, and again, it, it's it's up to Jordan Pickford, just the same way it's it's up to, to Tom Davis to show his worth. Now it's up to Jordan Pickford. We're playing some fantastic football. The defence has been superb this season. He needs to cut out the mistakes, and he needs to he needs to go back to basics. Really, um, you know, it, the pressure is on him. It's a different kind of pressure he's under now. Because he can't just hide behind a bad defence. He can't hide behind the fact that we're not playing well and he's under pressure all the time. He's under a different kind of pressure. We're, we're challenging towards the top end of the table. We're looking to get results. And it's so crucial that, that he keeps his head and that he improves and works on, works on those aspects of his game. I'm hoping that you know, get, he goes away with England for, for, you know, for the next week or so and, and he can maybe get a little bit of confidence back. I can't see him starting for England, to be honest with you, given given um, his form at the moment. But I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, but I just I just hope that he can he can get his head right and and the the Merseyside derby will be a huge huge game for him. Um, so yeah, all in all, I'm not surprised that we didn't go out and splash the money on a on a new goalkeeper just yet. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one, isn't it, Lynn? And I, th- I think this is going to be really fascinating now because it sort of feels as though Everton have have done all the things they can to try and get the, the best out of Jordan Pickford, aside from going out and actually signing someone better than him and, and seeing how he responds to that. They, you know, the, the managers have backed him in the past. They've got better players around him, a better defence around him. Um, they're playing, building out from the back football, which should suit his, his distribution and, and his qualities. Um, everything seems to be there for him now, including a, a much more dependable competitor in, in Olsen. And I think it's what's going to be fascinating for me is that I've seen a lot of people talking about having co- how, how not having competition has been an issue for Jordan Pickford and how if he gets dropped by England, then perhaps that'll, you know, it'll be like a light switch on and it'll, it'll click him into gear and all of a sudden he'll be focused again. He'll be that goalkeeper that we had 
in his first season at the football club. I'm I'm not so sure about that. And I think if he does get dropped by England, as Pete said, over the next few days, and that sort of status he's got as England's number one, which is still intact at the moment, is taken away from him. And he comes back to Everton and all of a sudden there's a fellow there that Everton have had to draft in last minute in the transfer deadline because they're not sure about him. I've, I've got to be honest, I'm not entirely sure how he reacts to that and whether that'll be a positive reaction. Yeah, and I, I, I have the same concerns because we don't know really how he's, how he's going to react because um, he certainly seems to be one of those characters that could go either way. I think you were mentioning it um, yesterday on the Subs Weekly about, I think maybe Dave did, about how he reacts when he concedes, you know, and he's, he's beating himself up and kicking bottles around and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I think with, with the England thing, I think England have three games, is it? Yeah, they got three um, games. Yeah, so yeah, so I would expect even, under, yeah, even under the best of conditions, I think that Southgate's gonna gonna play someone else for at least one of them. Um, if it's if he puts Jordan in for the first one and then goes from there, I think from a psychological standpoint, that would be better for for Pickford. Um, but yeah, when when he gets back, I mean, I, I almost wish that it wasn't the derby that was the next game because then he could kind of just ease himself back into something that was a little bit less high pressure, particularly in view of what happened at Anfield a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, I think I share the same concerns that you do that um, he might not be equipped to deal with it the way that he should, the way that we'd want him to. Uh, I think if um, if we'd sign Romero, he would have a lot more. His, his, his position would be under much more immediate threat. Um, I don't know that much about Robin Olsen. I remember his performances vaguely from the World Cup when I think you know he was he was pretty decent. Um, I like the fact that he's he's tall, you know, and he can dominate his area if that's what he does. Um, so so yeah, it, it's really the message. The message it's it, it's good from from Ancelotti's point of view in terms of supporting Pickford. Is the message is I brought someone in who's not necessarily going to replace you straight away, but if you know kind of last chance saloon, I'm going to have to bring him in if you can't perform. And as you say, the with 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 all the other upgrades, he's got nowhere left to hide now. This is this is the most important position left in the team that needs to be addressed, and. Ancelotti's shown that he will do. He won't even hesitate to do so if he feels he needs to. So, yeah. I suppose, suppose we are jump into some conclusions about how he's going to react to this argument. You know, we don't we we don't know him. I mean, maybe in that, with that in mind, you've you've spoken to him after games and and for interviews and, and pieces in the past. And while we don't see everything that goes on on the training pitch or, or behind closed doors, having spoken to him and seen what sort of character he is, probably a little bit closer than all of us. What, what do you think will be his reaction to this sort of, you know, I suppose it is a challenge in inverted commas, isn't it? Yeah, you see, he's not the kind of character who's going to shy away from this challenge, in my opinion. You know, he's, he's the kind of character who obviously does feel very confident in his own abilities. And I think to an extent, quite rightly so, because, you know, we, he has proven in the past that he's a very, very good goalkeeper. He's done that on international duty, of course, and, you know, fingers crossed that he, he will get the chance to do that again. I think it's interesting with England's goalkeepers at the minute because I think is it Dean Henderson and Nick Pope are the other two options. Yeah. Henderson's not had much game time this season, and Nick Pope had a bit of a a bit of a dodgy weekend himself, didn't he? Oh, so, it, was a, it was a proper one out of ten, wasn't it, from him against uh, Newcastle? Exactly. So you, you know, in terms of if you're looking at that in terms of Southgate, then you know, do you just go with your experienced man in that case? You know, maybe Pickford still still at the front of the queue in terms of those England options. And 
I have to say, fingers crossed for Everton's sake that he is, because I think it would be a really good opportunity for him to get, you know, a few minutes under his belt, just, you know, have a have a solid couple of games with England. He seems to really enjoy it on international duty, doesn't he? Like, he, he just, there's something about the way the camp works that kind of often does boost his morale a little bit. So, fingers crossed that can happen again. But in terms of, you know, Olsen coming in, I think that it is... As the lads have said, I think it is a, a, a reasonable challenge for him. And I think, as you know, as Lyndon says, it's, it is almost like a last-chance saloon for him because it's like, yeah, we've done everything else that we can do barring signing a, a top-quality goalkeeper to give you the opportunity to go out there and perform. So, you know, if this does, if this is the thing that raises Pickford's game and we've just got a, another senior goalkeeper in on loan for the price of it, that's perfect for me. I think, it, I think it's a really, really... It's a really uh, a shrewd move, if if that is the case. So we've just got to have our fingers crossed that Pickford uh, can rise to it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be one of them, isn't it? Either this this triggers a response from him and he plays better, or Angelotti sort of gives him enough rope to, to hang himself with. And by the end of the season, we could say, you know, there, there's the clear and obvious issue. Um, just while we've been on air, actually, there's been a report emerged from from the Telegraph. I don't know if you have much chance to do any reporting around this album or. But just be interested to get every, everyone else's thoughts on it as well, saying that, that Everton were effectively priced out of a move for Sergio Romero because United wanted ten million for him. Um, is, is that is that one you would have just paid the money? I mean, anyone would you have just gone down that reason and paid the money for him, or you're quite happy that Everton just walked away from that? I I think that for ten million pounds, if, if Ancelotti isn't sure just yet about about where he sees uh, Jordan Pickford's future, whether he if he still believes in Pickford that he can that there is a you know the top quality goalkeeper that we've seen in the past is still in there, um, I think ten million pounds at this stage. I, I I think that we've done it the right way to be honest with you. I think we need to reassess that position. I think give it time, see how we get on. I know that we're we we all want. We all want Pickford to, to get better. We, w- we would love love for us to have gone out and, and signed a top-quality keeper to come in and immediately take over that position. But I just think it's um, for, for, the good of, for the good of the squad and the good of the team as well, because Pickford is a, is, is a part of that, of that group, I think it's best that we do wait. We assess it over you know, the course of this season and then we go out and get out. You know, if we need to, we can then go out and, and spend big money on a, on a new goalkeeper. Um, but I don't think we we needed to necessarily go out and splash a load of money on a on a keeper who we then have on a three year contract. I, I think I think that's absolutely spot on. To be honest, I think if there were, if there were to be any question marks over whether you know Romero or Gazaniga or Olsen was to be the man stepping in, I'd have uh, I'd have some reservations about paying a fee. To be honest. Because, as, as Peter rightly says, if they're just going to be challenging Pickford, they're not going to instantly take over. You know, we've still got question marks over Pickford himself, over whether he's going to be still be the, the number one man. Uh, like, I think it's much better to just have a loan at this point, try and assess our goalkeeping option, you know, even up until January, probably up until the end of the season, uh, more than likely, and just give it, give it another year to assess because we've improved a lot of areas in the squad uh, over, over the last few months or so. So I think, you know, the transfer window that we've had was, I'd still rate it at like a nine or a 10 out of 10, to be honest. It's probably still not finished in terms of like outgoings with, you know, EFL windows still open as well. So it could even still get better in that sense. But like, in terms of like a goalkeeper, yeah, we would have loved a top quality goalkeeper to come in and challenge Pickford instantly. But would Sergio Romero for that price have been that absolutely top quality goalkeeper? 
not particularly sure, to be honest. Like, he would have been a good option, yeah, on loan, but 10 million, I think, is, is probably a little bit pricey for that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, the 10 million doesn't sound like a lot for Argentina's number one, but he was third choice at United, um, pushing to leave. Um, I think there's probably an element of them not wanting to sell him on the cheap to a team that's now going to be a rival for the top four, top six, <laughs> we hope. We hope. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, with, I think that the finances, we were kind of running out of wiggle room a little bit towards the end. And um, whatever happens with, with, well, not whatever happens. If Pickford's form continues to decline, then he's going to become an expensive problem that we're going to have to deal with because he's, you know, he's on an extended contract. We you know we paid thirty million for him to begin with, so I think they looked at it from a financial point of view and thought it's better to to bring someone in to just let, make sure that Pickford's looking over his shoulder, but to, to give him every chance to to prove that he can re rediscover his form, and then you know then then you don't have a you, know, you don't have a big problem on your hands. Uh, just quickly round through some comments we've had on YouTube. Uh, Ian Clark has said, uh, I suppose Tom Davies could be a modern-day Alan Harper. Uh, would you go along with that, lads? Yeah, could be. Yeah, could be. <laughs> could <laughs> be. <laughs> Why not? Uh, uh, Lava said, if Harry Kane was at Everton, would he get a place in the first 11? Probably not at the moment, to be fair, mate. Uh, with Don <laughs> well. But I think he's also said, uh, in fairness, I actually saw you tweeting about this, Adam, this week. Uh, the squad has strength and depth. I got to see Bernard stick around. You you were pleased as well that he didn't go to Roma in the end. Oh, definitely. I think especially with uh, Theo Walcott moving on on loan and uh, Moise Key moving on loan. I think when those reports came out that you know Ben Roma were chasing Bernard, I was thinking to myself, we're letting we're letting a lot of attacking talent leave the club mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of this window. To be honest, so I was I was really happy to see Bernard stay because I think he's looked loads better in that central role. I think at times last season on the wing, he got a little bit lost and he wasn't really affecting games as much. But in that central role, you know, he has so much more space to be able to pick out those intricate passes that he's like, if he's, if he's on top form, I think he adds qualities that nobody else in that Everton squad particularly has. So I, I think, I think he was a, a good one to keep on for this season. Hmm. Yeah. He suddenly feels like quite a versatile option, Pete, doesn't he? Bernard. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think that's the thing about Bernard is that he can play in a number of a number of different positions. Um, in his first season, he was he's kind of been a stop start a lot with his Everton career because of injuries. He's, it seems like every time he sort of starts building up a, a good run of form, he, he gets another knock. So he's been quite unlucky in that sense. But going back to his first season at Everton, his his partnership with with Luca Dean was was absolutely phenomenal down that left hand side. Um, so. I'd love it if he could rediscover that form, but I think Adam's right in terms of in terms of him playing in a more central role, especially with better players around him. Again, as a, as I said, and playing in a different system, which plays to his strengths. You know, he's got a low centre of gravity. He gets into little pockets of space. He can turn, you know, quickly. He's got a lot, you know, um, and he can pick a pass with either foot. And and he, he seems to be the type of player who likes very quick pass, you know, quick passing, quick flowing football. And that's the type of football that we can play now certainly with the right likes of James Rodriguez. Um, so I think Bernard, n- not only for his versatility, but also um, because of you know his, th- his goal threat, um, whether I'd like to see him score more, but I think, that he, I think that in this side he will do. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased he's still here as well. I think he could definitely do a job in a few positions. Uh, Ian Clark said Jordan is in the last chance saloon. Um, he doesn't respond positively. He'll be gone this season. And Stephen Fagan has said, are we even considering letting Pickford regain form, considering the consistency and frequency of his mistakes? 
Uh, it's been so poor for so long that I would argue that we can't wait and see what, what happens with him. I mean, I suppose it's one of them, isn't it, Lyndon? It's as much as we've, we've all been delighted with the signs we've made and the transformation in the team has been revolutionary. Uh, the manager said, didn't he, in the summer, it's going to be evolution, not revolution. And, and while we, we want to see you know, widespread changes and world-class players in, in, in every position on the pitch, it's... You know, maybe the club just haven't got enough money to go out and sign a, you know, an elite goalkeeper at the moment haven't invested what they have already. Yeah, I don't think they do. And if you think, I mean, you know, elite goalkeepers are going for massive money. You know, if you look at, um, you know, um, Allison and Kepa, not that he's turned out to be elite in any way, shape or form, but still, I mean, someone paid 70 million quid for him. Um, so well, that's part of the pro- shows the problem as well, is that there's not many of these elite young goalkeepers around who are going to just come in and be part of the team for 10 years. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it. I mean, I, as you say, I think that I think the evolution has actually turned into revolution, whether he wanted it to or not. Um, just the way that we started, and um, just to echo what uh, what Dave was saying on a, on another part, I think it was last week that um, that I it feels like a time when we actually, if we could have addressed everything, now would have been the time to do it because I think you know you strike while the iron's hot. Um, and the, you know, the way that things are still in flux at some of the other teams that ordinarily you'd think would finish above us, we, there's actually a massive opportunity this season just to, with the way things are. Um, so I feel like if we'd, if we'd had the financial wherewithal to do it, it would be the time to put, put your foot down and, and really, um, you know, really ramp up in a, in a couple of positions. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, we're like everybody else. We're losing money with, with fans not in the stadiums. Um, you know, we, we don't really compete with with the, the biggest clubs financially anyway um so yeah there's a lot riding on on pickford and you know if, if he keeps chucking them in then you get you know someone in who's hopefully a solid seven out of ten every week you know who's not going to make you know week blunders week in week out and just um have someone solid back there and then look to to address it later on yeah, I suppose the, the next transfer window is only, I think, 87 days away as well now. So, uh, yeah, you've got another deadline day not far off, Adam. Uh, to, yeah, I'm excited for that. <laughs> to, 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 get, to, get, to get stuck into. Uh, and what, what Linda was saying there sort of leads us on to, to what I wanted to speak about in, in the final part of the show, and that's just expectations for, for this season. Now, I'll come to you first on, on this piece. Uh, you know, Famously positive Evertonian when it comes to whenever I've spoken to you in the past and whenever you've been on here or when, when you see it on, on social media. And, you know, listen, we're sat here top of the league now, um, been, the, you know, a re- one of the two really consistent sides of the season with us and Villa. Um, you're nice to have us, conceded. Uh, I thought you were going to say us and Everton women. Us, of course, yeah. Well, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, Both just smashing everybody <laughs> at the moment, aren't they, to be fair? But, you know, it's, it's one of them. It's just... It just feels like it's going to be a really weird season, doesn't it? And, and Everton are, are playing really well. The squad's really balanced. We seem to have cover in, you know, good cover in 90% of the squad. We, we've got a world-class manager. And already we've seen City concede five at home. United concede six at home. Liverpool concede seven at Villa. I'm just going to say that one again. Liverpool concede seven. <laughs> at, at what was that? <laughs> and it just... It just feels as though we're dead settled in a season which is going to be a bit crazy. And, and with that in mind, with, with Everton's start of the campaign and, and, and you know, the, the sort of nature of the, like a wild landscape that is the Premier League at the moment, have, have you adjusted your, your expectations and, and your hopes for this season over the last few weeks based on performances and, and what's been going on? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm realistic, and I, you know, I don't want to get carried away, but um, we're going to win everything, don't we? Um, I, think, <laughs> I think. Listen, it's at the end of the day, we've just got to we've got to enjoy the ride at the moment, haven't we? It's been it's been so long, I think, since we've had this this level of optimism, um, you know, in and around the club, um, with both teams, I say the men's and the women's teams, both both teams absolutely flying. There's, there's this positivity. Um, it, within the club and amongst the fans, um, Twitter can be a very toxic place. But I think we can all agree it's been fantastic over the last few weeks. <laughs> it's been brilliant. Um, so it's you know I, I think in terms of expectations, um, I, I think this is a massive opportunity for us certainly to break the top four. I think everyone everyone would agree with that. There's a lot of teams in transition. There's a lot of teams who, are, who like you say, have slipped up already. Um, you know when when the um, I don't even want to say it. Last season's champions. Last season, um, get 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 beat seven two. Um, it's you know it's it it shows that that, that the league is a, is open for anyone to be honest with you. But I mean realistically, I'd like us to to progress in in the league cup and and then and then hopefully have a good FA Cup run as well. And yeah, and really have a push for that top four. Um, so, so sorry, mate. Before you before you finish there. Oh yeah, finish yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, are you the same? Linda? I mean, Pete's saying he's not getting carried away there, but but I absolutely have over. You know, the last few. <laughs> last few I've, I've been looking up parade routes and where I can get tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> of champions 2021. Uh, get t-shirts printed already. Uh, what about you, mate? I, I'm I'm trying, really trying to keep grounded because um, I mean we've we've been here, we've been here before lots of times. But by the same token, um, the. With Martinez, that beginning of that season was different. We started that one off really slowly. We had what three draws to start with, um, you know, knocking the ball around the, our back four for half an hour, and then then it finally got rolling. But even you know the the win at United was was a, was a surprise, and the draw at Arsenal felt like a win. I feel like we're we're above that level now. That we cannot necessarily go to Arsenal with the, the business that they've done in the window, but we can go to the bigger teams now and actually, um, you know, have equal share of the ball and be as dangerous as they are. Um, so, it, I, for me, it's all dependent on whether we can keep that first eleven fit for most of the games. Um, there's as, as long as you've got most of them, there's enough of the pieces will still remain. With Decore and Alan and Rodriguez, if they're not necessarily all there together, there's still enough pieces from uh, new pieces that I think will be able to sustain momentum. But keeping your match winners like Rodriguez fit, I think, is going to be absolute key. I mean, if he plays 30 odd games a season, then I think we have a re- we really do have a shot because he can he can create goals out of nothing, um, win a game on his own, and that's we haven't had that before. So I'm I'm trying to to not let myself run away with it but at the same time I mean you know we've made a great start um, and that Liverpool result that will hopefully start sowing some some doubt in their minds you know once you you, you, have, you have that winning habit which I hope like Leicester in 2016 we're going to start having where it just becomes you just win and you believe you're going to go out and win the opposite I hope is going to happen to Liverpool now where they just think oh well maybe we're not invincible and this season is going to be nuts. And, um, you know, as you say, with, with the COVID thing, you just don't know. Um, and so you've got them, you've got Chelsea having gel properly, United in chaos. Tottenham can go either way. I mean, they're great now, but, you know, two weeks' time, Jose could, you know, flip, <laughs> flip his lid and then it's, you know, it's completely different. So as long as we can be the consistent ones, 
and just kind of just coast through it and um, be there thereabouts at the end of the season. I mean, it, the the potential is 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 amazing. So I'm trying not to get too excited, but I am a little bit. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, Linda's already mentioned Leicester 2016 there, Adam, in, in regards to, to to Everton. And but I, I think that there's, there's an interesting point there, and it's I've, I've got I've got a piece coming out on on the site later about this actually in regards to. So this, how the season is and having composure and calmness and I just sort of feel as though with everything that's going on and football being in such a state of flux at the moment and with players and you know staff not really knowing whether they're coming or going based on COVID and you know crazy results on the pitch it just feels as though we've got the best fella possible at the helm of this football club in Carlo Ancelotti at the moment just to just to be calm and I, I loved his interview after the after the game at the weekend when it was like, oh, you're really surprised by how Rodriguez has come in and, and done so well. It's such a, a hard league to adapt to and, you know, he's had a, a tough time recently and he just went, football's not that complicated. It's, it's dead simple. There's 11 lads on the pitch for both sides. The goal stays in the, in the same position. It's it's not, you know, it's not that complicated. It's simple. And I just feel as though with all this madness going on, having someone like him at the head of all this is going to be really beneficial to us. With all the madness that's going on in the world, yeah, but with all the madness that's happened at Everton over the last few years as well, I think it's just it's just a nice little change, isn't it, to have just that calm head and just going, yeah, football's really, really not that hard. You just like get eleven players on the pitch every time. Goal stays in the same place. You've just got to be better than the opposing eleven lads on the pitch, and that's that's the long and short of it. And I think, yeah, you you're quite right. And I think I was speaking to Leon Osman, funnily enough, the other week. And I was talking about momentum at the start of the season and, you know, how important that could be. And he mentioned, obviously, the 2004-05 season where, you know, there wasn't a lot of expect- expectations on Everton going into that season, having Sol Rooney and all stuff like that. But then they just got that little bit of momentum. They hit on something good early in the season. And they just built and built and they just never really lost it throughout the campaign. And they managed to obviously uh, finish fourth that season. Now, I'm not saying Everton are going to finish fourth this season, but... I'll be higher than that, mate. We'll be well. (laughs) In terms of expectations, like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the camp that you know, if fans want to get a little bit carried away with it, then why not? Because at the end of the day, I think maybe with the age of social media over the last few years, we've forgotten that football is actually meant to be enjoyed. You're meant to actually have fun watching football. But sometimes on social media, you see that you know, if if you're seeing fans getting excited. People are already going, oh, you're going to regret this in a couple of weeks or in a few months and bookmarking this for later for when for when it all goes tits up. And you just think to yourself, oh, just, just enjoy it. <laughs> just live in the moment and enjoy it. And that's why I've loved Everton's social media over the past few weeks. You know, all the spirit of the blues stuff. There's just a whole wealth of positivity, not just around the 11 players on the pitch and the staff around the club, but with the fan base as well. And... I think that could be as important as you know momentum on the pitch in terms of progressing Everton forwards because you know we do want to have this sort of positive attitude around the club. Why wouldn't we? And you know if some fans were, want to think that you know we're going to be challenging for the title or challenging for the top four, then let, let people think that. Then why not? You know everyone's entitled to their own opinions, and you know if they want to be uber positive after you know Everton winning seven games in a row to start the season, then. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine in my book. I think on a personal level, in terms of expectations, I'd want us to win a trophy. I think you know that's got to be the biggest thing in in my head that we've got, just got to we've got to eradicate that trophy drought. To be honest, you know, it's it's been far too long for a club of this size to go without a trophy. So 
Sorry to interrupt you, mate. Isn't it nice that we've got that quarterfinal just there now? It's you know, it's boxed off. Yeah. We've, we've got a couple of months to now Everton might be in completely different form by then, but it's just it's just a nice feeling to have that like, in, in the bank, isn't it? In December. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it it's just three three one off games away from winning winning a trophy and securing that European football that we all want to see it in, in the process. So yeah, I, I think in terms of in terms of the rest of this season, I really do want us to go for a trophy, but just any sort of improvement in our league position, I mean, it won't be hard in terms of, <laughs> in terms of where we finished last season, of course. But you know, in, uh, you know, a distinct improve. We're already seeing a distinct improvement on the pitch, but as long as we can see, you know, the continued signs of this improvement throughout the campaign, then I think Everton fans are just going to be delighted with it. And you know, if this momentum train carries us. You know, into the realms of like European football or trophies in towards the end of the season, then absolutely fantastic in my book. It's going to be really interesting to see if that positivity carries on next week, isn't it? When we're counting down the days to the derby, like <laughs> four or five days away, will, will, will we all be so bullish and boisterous about our, our chances then when it's actually hot on the horizon? But uh, why not? Like, like you've all said, why not get carried away? Let's enjoy this while we can. Uh, just a couple of more points I wanted to, to mention before we finish off today. Uh, Pete, you mentioned the girls and, and how well they're playing at the moment. Obviously, they're in action tonight. By the time this goes out, uh, they've been playing Manchester City. Um, but at the weekend, they were in action against Aston Villa. And there's no other way of saying it. After demolishing, uh, <laughs> demolishing Birmingham to get to the FA Cup final, they went one step again and absolutely destroyed Aston Villa at the weekend, didn't they? Oh, it, it could have been double figures. It was absolutely brilliant, absolutely fantastic results. Um, it doesn't surprise me to be honest with you, though, because the way they've been playing, um, they've they've been absolutely superb so far this season. And um, they've made a lot of new signings in the summer. Uh, Valerie Govan, who's a French international, has come has come on, uh, come into the side. Um, she's still getting up to, up to fitness, so she's been making a lot of substitute appearances. But she scored four in five in five games, and I think four of them were off the bench. So we're going to say again, eight, eight minutes to goals ratio must be absolutely ridiculous this season. Oh, it's it's un, it's unreal. But but she she had that minutes to goal ratio in France as well. I think she scored sixteen in fourteen games. Um, last season or around those sorts of figures she's, she's got a fantastic record um, in the French League so you know she's signed with big expectations but so far she's she's really shown a quality we've got players like Hayley Razzo who actually came in January but because of everything that happened with the lockdown and everything she wasn't able to make a debut until this season um, she's you know she, she's on, a, on another level in terms of in terms of you know international recognition, um, she's a huge star in Australia. She's one of Tim Cale's mates as well. But she's come in, um, and she's she's played phenomenally well. Uh, re- really, you know, helped the side. Uh, she's got pace. She's a fantastic attack and outlet. And uh, she managed to get two goals against uh, against Villa at the weekend. But yeah, it, it just seems to be that momentum has started to build. The new signs have fitted in and 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 hit the ground running. And uh, and now you can see that. You know the, the improvements in the side. Uh, some of the football playing is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a very competitive league uh, towards the top end with Arsenal, Chelsea, and Man City in particular. Uh, three, three really, really great sides. Man United as well have, have made some great signings. But I still think that that that, that uh, you know our girls can can go out and really, really push for that for those sort of top two positions. Um, and obviously we've got an FA Cup final to look forward to as well, which, which is fantastic. Yeah, that, that's in the bank for them as well, of course. I mean, I, I don't know how much of, of the, the girls you see in this, this season, Lyndon, but you know, going back to, to what Pete said earlier, I don't think it's any any coincidence that you know both of these teams have started off with just winning every single game. And 
And Finch Farm must be a, a wonderful place to be at the moment with everybody rocking up with just a big smile on the face. Top of the respective leagues, carry, you know, smashing it in cup competitions. Um, and There's got to be something to that, hasn't there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the way that they've, um, you know, they've taken on, like Chelsea, the biggest team that they could, they've taken on and, and beaten them. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's testament to the way that the club has actually re- rebuilt the ladies' team over the last few years, because there was a point a few years back where it looked like they were just heading in completely the wrong direction. And if you looked at, um, so, you know, the England teams that have played in the World Cup, you've got a lot of players that, oh, used to play for Everton, used to play for Everton. And all these players like Alex Greenwood had, had left. Um, and so it's, um, it's, 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 yeah, fantastic credit to the club and Willie Kirk and the way that they've, they've built this side back up. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, the ladies' team is going to be, the name Everton is going to be at the forefront of the, with this, this big, you can feel it, this big lift up of, of the women's game. And I think it's fantastic because, you know, we, we looked like we were going to be completely out of that conversation a few years ago. So, yeah, it's great. I think that, that was evidence in, in Dom's interview, wasn't it, Adam, after the game against West Ham, where, you know, he's just scored a hat-trick, he fired us into the quarterfinals, I think it was, you know, his, his eighth goal of the season in, in, in five games, and the first thing he says is, you know, before I speak about myself and the team, I want to just say congratulations to, to, to the girls and, and their results, and, you know, that, you know, it's cliche to say, and, you know, people probably might roll their eyes a little bit at this, but I don't think it's the case at every club where there is that link and that bond between between all aspects of the football club. No, exactly. There's a, there seems to be a real sense of togetherness, especially this season, doesn't there? Like I've seen a few Willie Kirk press conferences this season, and he's mentioned obviously, you know, he's had messages from the likes of Ancelotti and Marcel Brands after games this season, and you know that might only seem like a small little gesture, but I think that does represent that kind of togetherness between the men's side and the women's side. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch a lot of the women's side because the the fixtures keep clashing with the men's team, which is a a real frustration, to be honest. So it's good. Have you seen there's a petition for the the Everton v Newcastle game to get moved so that... uh, so the fans can watch the women's FA Cup final and and the the men's game against Newcastle as well, which I think that's great to see. To be surely, honest, that's a no-brainer. That sure. Oh, you 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 hundred percent just think you know why why wouldn't you just switch around that Newcastle fixture? There's surely some somewhere that you can put it that's not clashing with a women's FA Cup final. So fingers crossed that does come off, and you know I'll be able to see the uh, the FA Cup final at least, but from the highlights that I've been able to see from the women's team, it doesn't look too dissimilar from the men's team in terms of how they've gone about this season. You know, they've brought a lot of new players in over the course of the summer and they just seem to be gelling in so well together. And, you know, it, it's a, that word again, momentum, if you can just keep that momentum going uh, throughout this, the opening stages of this season, you know, it could just spitball and who knows where they, where they could end up. You know, obviously there are some really tough teams in the in the women's division, but... You know, you've, you've got to be looking, you know, top three, top four. That's got to be the goal for Everton now. You know, the start of the season has kind of set themselves that kind of lofty ambition. So, fingers crossed, the momentum can, you know, carry them towards that. Yeah, sky's the limit, it feels like, uh, for, for both teams at the moment. So, just that one question I wanted to ask you before we wrap up today. And, you know, feel free, whoever wants to answer this one first. But Ian G1878 on Twitter has said, how much of an impact is us not being there having on the players? We all know Goodison can be equal parts 12th man and unbearable pressure. Um, what, what do we reckon to that one, lads? I mean, I'm, I don't really want to touch that one. I'll let one of you go first on that. I, I think if we were in there now, 
the atmosphere would be absolutely incredible. If we were if yeah. we were allowed to go into into Goodison for that derby, could you imagine the atmosphere that we that we mm-hmm. generate? And I, I just feel like we've we, now that we've got that feel good factor and that feel good momentum, we can take that we can take that back into Goodison when, when we're allowed back in. Um, I take the point that sometimes you know the, the pressure from the crowd can affect players. Um, having said that, if, if it was as simple as that, we would have seen a massive upturn as soon as the lockdown was was eased and and, and the players were back and we went, you know. So it's I can I can see the point that sometimes the crowd can can get on players' backs, but the professional footballers at the end of the day, you know, that, that's they need to be able to deal with that sort of pressure. I just feel that the positive energy that we that we provide and the backing that we give that team far outweighs any negativity that, that might that might come through. Yeah, spot on. I think Pete's absolutely right. Would we have made the, the flying start that we've made? I think with the signings that we've had, probably. Uh, but yeah, he's absolutely right that this derby would be, I mean, it would just be an occasion for, to, to end all occasions, you know, the, the first few minutes with that, with that crowd. Um, and it's, yeah, it's sad that, that it's not going to be a while before, you know, the fans can get, can get back in there. But um, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Is, is it think, more? So just going to just going to ask you there, Adam. Do you think? Do you think it's more not necessarily the atmosphere and and the noise? It's maybe more to do with those moments where the teams maybe one nil up and they get pegged back, or they go one nil down like they did against West Brom. The, mm. you, know, you can imagine what you know. Every football stadium in the country has fans that when the team concedes a goal against the team, they feel like they should be beaten. There's that angst mm. and that nervousness, and you get the odd. You know the odd person shout, and it can, it can get a little bit nasty at times. But maybe it's in those moments where the, the lack of a crowd, and you can just take a deep breath and go, right, we're better than these. Let's just get back on it. Yeah, I can see the point, and I think you know, especially when you're looking at Goodison Park as well, with what Everton have been through over the last few years, you know, you can understand why there would be those those senses of angst or frustration in those kind of moments in games. But I think what we're seeing across the whole Premier League, and I mean, we mentioned these surprising results before, you know, the 7-2 against Liverpool, the 6-1 against United, 5-2 against City, you know, I think even Leicester being beaten home by West Ham quite comfortably is, you know, flying under the radar a little bit. You know, I think maybe the absence of fans uh, across the, the Premier League this season is maybe, especially in team for teams uh, going forward, it's maybe taking the weight off their shoulders a little bit. They feel like they're a, bit, a little bit free to express themselves a little bit more, maybe they're less scared to make any sort of mistakes. And, you know, that's maybe why we're seeing all the goals flying in at the minute. So, you know, it, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? You know, we want we want to see some entertaining football in the Premier League. And I think we are seeing that now. But obviously, we, we are desperate to have fans back in the stadiums, you know, because you know, luckily enough, I've been allowed to, to go into grounds over this time. And it's just, it's not the same. It's awful. Like, it, 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 it it's just... It's soulless, you know. It, it, in a way, it's interesting to hear what the players are shouting on the pitch, but I don't want to hear what the players are shouting on the pitch at the same time. I want, I want to be surrounded by forty thousand Everton fans who are just loving James Rodriguez, pinging one into the back of the net. Like that's, <laughs> that's, sounds, that's exactly. It just sounds like they're all saying, "Give it to James anyway." That's all calling. Well, yeah. like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Give it to James. Give it to James. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. That's exactly what it, I think the lads are spot on. You know, if we were going into this Merseyside derby now, you know, we saw it a couple of years ago when uh, we drew the derby nil-nil when we weren't in the best run of form. You know, how much an atmosphere in a derby can really have an effect on the players. You know, if we were going into that derby with 40,000 fans on our side for this game, then I just think 
it will be an absolute occasion, as Lyndon says. So, fingers crossed we're allowed some sort of fans in in stadium soon. But who knows what it's going to be like, especially with the uh, with the restrictions round here at the minute as well. Yeah, there's a petition been going up as well, hasn't there as well, regarding mm. fans back in stadiums. But like you said, mate, safety does come first. They're very jealous. You've got to see Hammers in the flesh. So, uh, already, <laughs> you've got to say. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure we'll all get there eventually. Yeah, we are out of time today. Uh, thanks very much to all the lads for, for coming on. And anything coming up in particular? Um, Adam, you said you were finishing a piece off before you came on. Uh, yeah, it was just, just a, funnily enough, a piece on how uh, Everton have dealt with the coronavirus crisis so far. Which is which is going out tomorrow morning, which I think has got a few interesting details in it. Good stuff. Look out for that. Uh, Lyndon, anything on top of your web at the moment you, you'd recommend getting stuck into? Um, not much right now. I just we're in the kind of the, the, the lull period between the games. I'm gonna write something about the window, just overall, generally where we are and that kind of thing in the next couple of days. But um yeah. Good stuff. Uh PZ, you writing anything at the moment, mate? Well, I'm, no, I'm not writing anything. I'm just, off, I'm just off to watch match of the day two for the hundredth time this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, do check all that out. Thanks very much to, to the lads for joining me. Thanks for watching on YouTube. If you're watching, uh, listening on iTunes or any of the other podcast platforms. Uh, give us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, it's always appreciated. It always helps these sorts of things. But. Uh, uh, we'll be back again on the usual feeds with Kickabout tomorrow. I think Rob is doing a music edition about his favourite 90s albums with Les, Kate and Keith. Uh, so that should be good. Adam nodding approvingly there. I think it well, sounds like it's going to be up his streets. But, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to that. There you go. <laughs> uh, all usual stuff will be out later in the week as well. Uh, so thanks very much for listening. I'm going to speak to you again very soon here on the Blue Room. Progressive presents Don't Do It Yourself. Okay, fixing a water heater. Easy peasy. Oh, yeah? So you know how to secure this gift joint? Yeah. Detach the steam pump? Takes two seconds. And fasten the double to the pressure tube? Yeah, my dad taught me how to do that. Oh, that's interesting, because I made all those things up. Look, we should just bundle our home and auto with Progressive. We could save big, then pay someone to do it for us. That's cool. This double's the wrong size anyway. Save when bundling home and auto with Progressive and use the money to, you know, not do it yourself. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.